This is a Taste to Consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, and I am here. Welcome, welcome. Like the intro said, I am here. Yes, it's Derek Silver coming back for the second episode of the A Taste You Can, A Taste to Consider podcast. <laughs> Fumbling right there. But yeah, um, second episode. First, let me start off by uh, thanking everyone. Thanking everyone who listened to the first episode. I received uh, great feedback from the first episode. And I appreciate all the love that was given. I said to myself that uh, I wasn't going to check numbers on the podcast. But I ain't going to lie, I took a little peek. (laughs) I just took a little peek. I had to have a little taste. I had to have a taste of what those numbers was looking like. And in a four-day span, the numbers were great. (laughs) The numbers were great, and I appreciate all the love. I received a lot of a lot of messages, um, a lot of great feedback from it, and you know, just confirmation that you know I'm going in the right direction. That you know God is leading me down the right path, and you know that my dreams. And my ideas are, you know, growing. And, you know, it was just, it felt good. And, you know, I started to get messages <laughs> earlier in this week. Uh, right now it's, it's Sunday. It's Sunday night. Actually, it's Sunday night, but midnight Monday morning. But I was getting messages last week, uh, you know, saying, where the next episode? Where the next episode? So <laughs> I kept telling people that, you know, I was going to record this weekend. And I kept trying to figure out when I was going to record again, actually, because it was like <sighs> I wasn't really trying to plan when I was going to record, but I knew that I'll, you know, that I was going to do as of right now two shows a month. And, you know, since I already do two shows a month with the Unproductive and Unapologetic podcast, I didn't want to, you know, strain myself out with doing so many shows. And, you know, I just wanted to keep it light. So I started to get the messages or whatever, you know, people asking when the second show is coming. And I started to feel a little burn, a little itch, you know, that I had to, you know, give give you all another taste. Uh, But... Things just wasn't going the way that I was trying to plan it, which was good or whatever, because, you know, I looked at it like, you know, it's just not time yet. So, 
excuse me for a minute, I had to take a puff of my cigar. So let me get into that real quick. Right now I am puffing on a Odyssey Connecticut cigar. Uh, I found it in when I went to go get uh, a couple of cigars uh, last week. I found it in a little clearance bin, and it was like two ninety nine. But it's a real, real good cigar. Got a nice taste to it. It carries the ash well. You know, I'm I'm surprised, but you know that's how it is sometimes. Find little diamonds in the rough. But yeah, this is a Odyssey Connecticut. So it got a it has a light flavor to it. It's not not that strong. Um, it's it's a fairly you know, it's a good cigar. You know, if I, I'll definitely grab this one again. I'll put this on the list as one of my favorites. And what I'm drinking with it is uh, Jim Beam Honey, and this is one of, it's one of my favorites. You know, I pretty much drink this one straight. I don't need a chaser with it. So you know, take a sip of that. <sighs> yeah. So things weren't weren't going the way that I planned them, but you know, I just looked at it like, you know, it, it'll it happen. Even though I did definitely felt like I had to hurry up and, you know, get something out there before, you know, people start to lose interest. But so tonight I just finished watching the BET Awards and that's when I felt the energy, that creative energy bubbling inside of me that I had to do something, seeing, you know, a lot of the artists perform tonight and stuff because I look at this podcast uh, like you know it's my art. You know, this is this is my art. The the thoughts, the how I had to put a lot of this stuff together because you know I spent some time coming up with an outline for this episode, which I will be doing for you know majority of the episodes. But you know, this is my art. You know, I'm I'm in my creative mode when I. When I, you know, get into putting this podcast together, or coming up with thoughts, because I'm, this is a, my mind is running all the time. <laughs> so yeah, I was, you know, watching the BET Awards and a couple of things that happened during the uh, award show gave me confirmation that yeah, go ahead and record the night, and those things definitely tie into uh this episode and you know what I'm going to be talking about so those two instances was tonight they did a uh a, a tribute to Nipsey Hussle and they also brought out the Exonerated 5 and if you don't know who I'm speaking of by by saying that term I'm speaking of the Central Park 5 and you know they have their Netflix series that's out uh when they see us and they had them come out and you know that that ties into uh those two uh particular instances tie into the episode tonight and pretty much the inspiration for this episode came from um the Nipsey hustle killing excuse me, came from the Nipsey Hussle killing, and uh, I guess a couple of months ago, I, I wrote in my blog, greatestiamblog.com, on Instagram, greatest.i.am.blog, and if you aren't following me uh, on Instagram, follow me, share that, you know, it's, if you didn't listen to the first episode, that, that blog uh, is all about me and my experiences and my uh, former battle with depression and anxiety. And also follow me on Instagram at uh, a taste to consider podcast. So yeah, on the blog, I wrote uh, two particular, I had two particular blog posts uh, titled, I am a black man. Uh, I had a, a I made it to be two parts, um, but I'm thinking about doing a third, a third uh, part to it to speak on some things. Um, but yeah, I came up with that 
that blog post uh, because of the Nipsey Hustle killing. And if you haven't checked that out, go check it out. I'm not going to go through the whole blog post, but basically how I looked at this Nipsey Hustle's killing was how a lot of us black males, we struggle with our emotions. And I looked at the the black male that killed Nipsey as a you know a very angry man and when you listen to the reasons why he he murdered Nipsey you know you understand why I would say that and it resonated with me because I've been there before and I see a lot of I've seen and I still see to this day a lot of black males who deal uh with anger problems and It just, you know, it just struck me as when I first started my blog, I wanted to focus on depression and anxiety, help people with depression and anxiety. But after Nipsey Hussle's killing, it just came over me that I need to put more of my focus on us black males and our mental health. And a lot of us out here are struggling with our emotions, uh, they're just bottled up and we get into situations where they explode and you have situations like with us killing each other, you have domestic violence issues, uh, self-hatred, you know, the, the list goes on and on when it comes to that. And those are some of the things that I spoke of into those two blog posts and his killing was the inspiration behind those blog posts as well as this this episode because I had this episode laying down for a minute and I wasn't sure what my second episode was going to be but certain things started popping up around me that told me yeah this is the one that you have to do next things that was going on in my personal life with me dealing with other uh, black males and how we process our emotions and how we deal with each other emotionally. Um, and I started feeling that even more when I was watching the uh, When They See Us series on Netflix. And it was particular instances that were happening in that series that made me just want to push more to the aspect of mental health with people who look like me, guys who look like me. And one of those particular instances was, uh, if you if you have watched it, you'll know what I'm speaking of, Antron's dad he um during the interrogation process he had him he basically had him lie you know to the police to say that you know he was part of the kids who who raped the lady at the time and he felt he had uh Antron's dad had a lot, a tremendous amount of guilt for doing that after the fact. After he realized that having him telling his son to lie about that was going to have him be able to go home, <laughs> which it wasn't. So you know, that's that's a whole nother episode I can go into about us and not knowing our rights. But yeah, his father felt tremendous guilt and shame in doing that. And with with all of that, he he basically left the family. He left his son by himself. He left the mother to deal with it by herself. And that's something that, you know, I see a lot of us black males do. I've done it plenty of times where I just walked away and didn't deal with my emotions in the situation or I didn't know how to deal with them. And... Antron 
seeing his father act that way, he had tremendous hate towards his father. And he still has it to this day. And his dad is dead. So I'm going to get a clip going so you can hear some of what I felt, the pain that I felt in in Antron's voice. It was, it was just, it was crazy to me. Not in the term, I don't like using that word to describe things, but it was just the the pain you can hear in his voice and the anger. And that just spoke to me that, you know, how we don't deal with our emotions as black men and we don't know how to deal with it. It ain't even that we don't deal with them. We don't know how to because of how we've been brought up so much in our lives not to deal with our emotions and to, you know, basically just whatever, not to be solved. But here goes the clip. And this clip is from the Oprah Winfrey uh, Presents. Uh, She did the sit-down interview with the actors of the When They See Us series as well as the actual men who were a part of it. So let me play the clip, and this is Antron speaking. Hold on to your sanity, Antron. By threat, even to this day, mm. I'm damaged. I need help. I know it, but um, I just try to keep myself busy. Um, it just, the system broke a lot of things in me that can't be fixed. Yeah. Do you feel broken? Yes, ma'am. Um, my wife asked me to go see you know, a therapist, but I keep refusing. Why? I keep myself busy. I work out. I ride my motorcycle. And go see Ray. He lives right five minutes away from me, so. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. I'm struggling. But wouldn't going to therapy offer you a kind of real freedom and a kind of peace? Don't, don't you yearn for that? Or do you yearn for that? No, ma'am. Um, you don't? I lost my mother. Um, Your mother died not too yes, long ago. Yes, ma'am. She's the only one there for me at that time. My father left home. Um, um, um. So we get to see in the film that beautiful scene where my Yeah, so you can hear the pain in his voice and it was one other part doing that that interviews later in the interview where um he Oprah asked him about his father and he said he hates that man, you know, he and you can hear it and feel it in his voice. And as you heard in that clip, you know, the anger and the pain that he still feels just based off of, you know, being incarcerated for something that he didn't do as well as, you know, what he had to deal with with his dad and, you know, losing his mom and stuff recently. And you heard, you know, his his wife saying that, you know, he needs to go to therapy, but, you know, he was just like, he just couldn't do it, you know, and that's, that's rough, you know. I've been there, you know, where, you know, people were saying, you know, I should go to therapy, and I just wasn't having it. And, you know, I'm in, I'm in therapy right now, so, you know, I definitely value therapy and I understand the importance of it and the importance of it to my life and how beneficial it can be to other black males. And I speak about it so much, especially around my boys, because I want them to feel comfortable to to know that it's okay to go to therapy, you know, because I'm going, you know, somebody close to them that they know is going. And I will always be a champion for therapy. You know, it's it's just an amazing thing. And and this is what I was speaking of. You know, you heard Antron speaking, and you heard the anger in his voice, and you know, you have the the situation with Nipsey and how the the guy that killed him he had so much anger. You know, to shoot a man and to go up to him after you shot him several times and to kick him kick him in his face that's a level of anger that that is hard for people to understand you know (laughs) and it's a tough situation and you know 
when I was writing my blog and just thinking about all of this stuff, you know, with the Nipsey situation, I, I wrestled with so much stuff that, you know, I I did in the past when I was in my early 20s, how angry I was. And, and in those early 20s, like I spoke of in episode one, I was severely depressed. That's when I was the most depressed I've ever been in my life. And I was so angry. I was so angry. I was always out getting into situations, fights and arguments and stuff with other black males, guys that look like me. So it was like I'm I'm I have some I had so much hatred for myself and so much anger with myself because of where I was in my life or I didn't know how to process my feelings and stuff like that that I was taking it out on other men that looked like me. You know? Because I was just I was doing it to myself just as well in inside of my, you know, in my home, inside of my head, inside of my body. So, you know, it, it was so much it was so overwhelming to me that I had to keep going, but I had to, you know, do it with other people. And I it was it's just it's wild because I used to get into so many situations and when I was, you know, writing my blog and stuff and, you know, thinking about things in the past and everything, I had to I had to really like acknowledge the fact that I put myself in danger as well as other people. I put my boys in danger. I put, you know, other people in danger that was around me in these moments because you just never know what somebody else is is going through or what's going on in their head or what anger that they're dealing with you know i i could have i could have been dead you know so that anger man you know so let me do this real quick just to lighten the lighten the mood or whatever so i'm gonna play this this uh just a little bit of this this nipsey song played that song tonight on the uh, BET Awards and you know that was the most recent uh, song that was released with Nipsey on it yeah so yeah so let's get back to the conversation 
So I had to I had to get it, you know, a taste. Taste of my drink, finish that off. It was it was something small. Take a couple of puffs of cigar. Get my mind right. I got the uh got the candles on in the uh boom boom room right now. Got them burning in the Himalayan salt. Candle holders. Got my throat chakra incense burning. <laughs> Another thing that they call me on the unproductive and unapologetic podcast besides rip is two smokes. Cause I'm either smoking a cigar, excuse me, and got the uh incense burning. Or I'm burning some sage or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, initially when I started uh coming up with this episode, I was going, you know, it was always gonna have to do with uh you know, men and processing their feelings or whatever. But I was going to hold more of an aspect of men crying. But I was like, man, I got to expand on that. And just other stuff started coming to my head about, you know, us and our feelings or whatever. So it was a, it, that's why I don't, that's why I ain't really trip when things didn't go as planned because more ideas came to me to develop the episode. But yeah. Seeing men cry, and I can't even remember the last time I cried, and which is weird because I always get in, I'm always in situations where I feel like I'm about to cry, <laughs> uh, particularly when I'm watching uh, Ayanna Fix My Life show. For some reason, that show always get me to the point where I'm about to cry, but I'm so used to not crying as a man, the physical my physical uh what's the word i want to say uh my body just is so trained to catch it or to hold it so it don't come out that you know it just don't happen so i always joke around and be like i'm crying from my nose cuz i i hold the tears back but you know i'm getting the sniffles i mean, so i always say i'm crying from my nose yeah, Ayala Fix My Life always a show that, you know, gets me to the point where I'm I'm about to cry. Because seeing a lot of them things, seeing a lot of the stuff that the people go through, I resonate with it. And that's just, and it's not that it, the exact thing that they're going through, it's just the fact of the healing aspect of it. Seeing people heal or seeing people going through the healing process and or knowing that they have to heal, yeah, that... That be getting me emotional because I'm I've gone through my healing process and still going through it. And another show that always gets me to the point where I'm about to cry is uh Undercover Balls. <laughs> Undercover Balls, man. The part at the end when the balls comes out in the open and he's, you know, gifting people stuff like that. That that part always gets me. Cause I always be like so happy for people when that situation. I be like, damn, he gave them all that stuff. You know, he he be ch- them bosses, male female bosses be changing people's lives, and that always gets me there. So I never, no tears never come out my eyes. So I always just be crying through my crying through my nose. But yeah, seeing men cry, this is you rarely see it. You rarely see men cry. Like, and it's a particular story that I wanted to share that I will never forget. I think I was maybe between the ages of 11 and I'll say 11 and 12 or maybe between 10 and 12. Uh, my cousin back then, he was 25 years old and he got killed, my cousin Daryl. And I will, I will never forget this situation because that was the first time I've ever seen a man cry. And that man was my father. And I remember at the funeral, uh, he was sitting beside my mother. And I was sitting, uh, I, I wasn't sitting exactly beside my mother, but I was sitting maybe a few, few, couple people away. And my father, he just broke down and started crying. You know, he put his head down into his, uh, his knees and stuff, and he just bust out crying. And I remember my mother, you know, rubbing them on the back and stuff. And that was the first time I've ever seen a man cry. And it was my dad. And I will never forget that. 
that day. And I don't think I've seen him cry since since that day. And I could be mistaken, but I don't recall it. But I, I will never forget that because I've never seen, that was the first time I've seen a man cry, and I've never seen a man cry like that before. And I met... I probably have, but it probably, you know, hits me so much because it was my dad. And knowing how my dad, you know, is or whatever, you know, and how how we how just us as men have been brought up just not to be soft and to be hard and stuff like that. You know, I can go back and remember a particular instance when I was a little kid and I got into a fight with a uh, with a boy um in my and I was in elementary school yeah and I ran down the street cuz the boy uh he punched me in my face I ran down the street and told my dad and my dad he yelled at me he told me to go back up there and hit him and ever since I remember ever since that day I was like never you know never again Never again will I let anybody punk me or anything like that. So that basically was like the stepping stone for me with, with you know, the don't be solved, fight back type situation or whatever. So from that day forth, I'd never let nobody punk me. And, you know, <laughs> that probably, you know, that was the spark for me to always be into fights and not to let nobody push me around or bully me or anything like that and just the over the years my depression and anger and all that other stuff just fueled it even more <laughs> but yeah you know it's a it's a it's always an interesting situation when you discuss men and their feelings because one thing that I was thinking about when I was you know you know envisioning the the show in my mind and <laughs> The, the things that I was going to talk about and stuff, one thing that kept popping in my mind was when, you know, just me over the years and seeing, you know, dealing with black men and stuff like that, you know, dealing with my friends and, and, and stuff, <laughs> you really see guys get emotional in my experiences when we drinking alcohol. <laughs> and it always be funny because... Uh, during those, those times of hanging out and drinking alcohol and stuff, you, you'll you hear a lot of, uh, I love you, bro, I love you, bro, type, we brothers type stuff like that. And it it's always funny to me because how that alcohol, if you drink alcohol, you know how it can get you at times and how <laughs> it just it's just funny to me how when we when we drink that alcohol, our level of emotions heighten so much because we don't have those barriers between us because of how the how the alcohol affects our our body and our mind and stuff like that because it's been plenty of times where i've I've drank alcohol to a certain point where my emotions were hiding hiding heights and in in particular ways is I'm not the type of person who who drinks and gets like extra angry and stuff cuz you see you see guys their emotions when they drink they get angry or they get aggressive or whatever you know and not to say that it, I've never been in a situation where it's like that but I'm more of the uh when I get a little uh alcohol in me or whatever I kind of relax a little bit because um, usually I'm a little more, um, I'll say, I won't say serious, but I'm a little more, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to find the best word for it. I don't want to say serious because I, I, cause I can't even stand it when people always say to me, uh, you so serious or whatever, because I don't look at it like I'm serious. I'm I'm always uh, observant in situations. I'm always the, I don't like a lot of attention and stuff like that. So I always like to stay in the background uh, in all types of uh, social settings. And in the past that, that had to do with my social anxiety, but it, that's also uh, how I was kind of um, 
brought up in a way to just pay attention and be observing and watch your surroundings and stuff. So I don't really like to have a lot of attention on me and stuff. I always like to be the type of person where everybody else that I'm with can have a good time, but I'm going to be the one that's watching over them. But, yeah, so I always think that's funny that (laughs) guys, when they, you know, get a little extra alcohol in them or whatever, they, they, those barriers, that brick wall of that's hiding their emotions, you know, crumbles. And you hear a little bit more emotions from guys saying, I love you and stuff like that. So (laughs) that's always a, a funny moment to me. And going back to the therapy talk, um, what was funny was another confirmation about how I was going to do the episode was in my last therapy session. Uh, I actually, me and my therapist was having a conversation about me and uh, we were having a conversation about me and my my boys who I do the pod, my other podcast with, Unproductive and Unapologetic. And, you know, if anybody has ever worked in a situation with, with other people, you know, it's going to be, you know, uh, everybody's not going to be on the same page. So I'm always trying to find the best way to work in, in that situation as to not sabotage it and to, to be absent to the point where uh, I, I bring bad energy into the group. So we were discussing that and stuff, and my therapist wasn't too, uh, she wasn't in so much of a agreement with how I was uh, processing a lot of the situations that I was going through with my podcast mates, my friends, and she basically called me out, which she does, you know, often, as she should about me not processing my feelings in in the situation. And she wound up giving me uh she wound up giving me two lists. And these two lists, I have them in front of me right now. One of one of the lists says pleasant feelings. And the other says unpleasant feelings. So on the pleasant pe- pleasant feelings list there are things like uh open, understanding, happy, confident, joyous, positive, eager, uh inspired, intrigued, attracted, passionate, admiration, you know, a lot of pleasant feelings. And excuse me. On the second list, unpleasant feelings, it were things like abandon, abused, uh, cold, fearful, worthless, unsupported, uncomfortable, struggling, stupid, tired, things like that. And once she gave me the, those those two lists, you know, she told me to take them with, with me and to use them for when I get into situations just in life and, you know, to look at that list and go through and to find the the best words, the best feelings on those lists, on both the lists, pleasant and even unpleasant, and, you know, say to myself, I feel positive or in this situation I feel uncomfortable or I feel like my friends are abandoning me or I feel like uh, my loved one is uh, abandoning me, something like, you know, or I feel very confident when I'm around uh, this coworker, or I feel very confident when I'm around uh, my friends in this situation and stuff like that. And I thought it was very good because, uh, which was interesting because when we were having the conversation and she asked me to go through the list and to you know, pick out the words that I was feeling in my situations with my friends, my podcast mates. And I went through, you know, both the lists, the pleasant, went through those words. And, you know, when I got to the unpleasant list, I I, I found a couple of words that, you know, expressed my feelings on 
on how some of the situations were going. And then in that moment, I had a moment where I felt like I was about to cry. But as I spoke of earlier, my body is so used to not crying, I held it back, you know. So I was basically crying through my nose again. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's interesting that, you know, the when you have these, well, it's interesting when I have these revelations and I find myself, you know, learning new things about myself or learning how to uh, process my feelings or uh, get through certain situations. And that's the beauty of therapy right there. And, and that's that's why I love it. And I recommend it to so many people because we're so and this is what I tell people all the time. When you're going through depression and anxiety, any any form of trauma, you you pick up so many different habits while you're going through those things that you have to unlearn those habits, those unhealthy habits, and learn new healthy habits. And this is what I'm going through in my life right now. This is one of the biggest things. And this is this is something I had to figure out for myself that I had a lot of unhealthy habits. And I, I still do, you know. And one thing that people don't realize healing is an ongoing process you're going to be healing until the day you die because you're going to be continuously going through different situations you know that's life you you constantly going to have positive and negative situations that's just the balance of life the yin and yang of life but yeah it's uh it, it just it just had me going back to other situations that I've I've gone through with other black males, just you know, other men, and how we show our feelings to each other or lack thereof. You know, I I can go through plenty of times where I've expressed my my feelings or what what I you know what I thought I was feeling at the moment, whether it be anger or frustration or whatever, and I'm. You know, maybe I wasn't processing it right, so I wasn't expressing it right. But at the time, I was still expressing something. And it would be plenty of times where I, would, I was being made fun of by the, the other men or whatever, or by saying, you too emotional. Or, and there's been even times recently where people were saying, do you need to go to therapy? People making jokes like that, you know? And that's just not cool, but... I'm to the point now where those things don't necessarily bother me the same way because in the past I would have got angry and probably tried to fight you. <laughs> but, you know, now, you know, they'll affect me. I'm not going to lie and say they don't affect me, but they'll affect me to a degree. But I understand that I, I have to do something to relieve myself of these feelings, whether it be go meditate or go work out punching bag listen to some music or just do something I just know I can't sit with these feelings but I do find myself which is something that has been habitual for me is I don't I don't always process them I, I kind of throw them away because I can be very nonchalant and I could just be like well I'm cool and you know it's whatever but knowing that those those feelings are affecting me in some type of way and that's that's one of the reasons why my therapist gave me that that list those lists you know to be able to go through these these feelings and process them so i just want to say like to uh just anybody but particular males you know how we've been brought up to not show our emotions or we looking soft if we do if anything like that you got to let people whether you you not trying to hear it or not, don't don't make fun of somebody for speaking whatever truth that they have, you know. It may not come off right to the point. And, and this is another thing that I, re I had to realize that, you know, you're probably being made fun of, I'm probably being made fun of or anybody being made fun of in these situations because us as men, we feel uncomfortable having emotions being brought to us. And I'm sure plenty of guys can 
can sit back and understand what I'm about to say. If you're dealing with your significant other, your lady, and she's bringing emotions to you, those they make you uncomfortable, and they make they make you uncomfortable, make us un- uncomfortable because we're not used to processing our emotions or even knowing how to process our emotions. So when we when we have somebody else bringing their emotions to us, and then who knows what context they're coming in or the aggressiveness that they're coming in <laughs> that a lot of times we'll look at the, the women and be like, you, you're being too emotional. You're being too sensitive, you know, and I've done that at times, you know, myself, you know, looking, but that's because I didn't know how to process my emotions. And that, it made me, <laughs> that made me severely very and very uncomfortable to have somebody bringing floods of emotions to me when I don't even know how to get through my own damn emotions. So I just want to, you know, just just take a take a step back. You know, if if you're not feeling a person's emotions when they come at you, just, you know, tell them that you you're not in the mood or you're not in the not the mood. You're not in the space right now to be able to process someone else's emotions and you know you can get back to them later. I have to do that with myself a lot of times, you know, when I'm dealing with with other people or whatever. I remove myself from the situation and, you know, come back to it later when when I'm ready, you know. But, you know, you got to let them know that because, you know, a lot of people will look at it like you just shunning them and stuff. So, yeah, and that that goes with, with family as well, you know. You can't, a lot of times you can't, um, deal with unpacking someone else's emotions, family or whatever, or other trauma that's, that you've gone through or somebody else has gone through and you, you're having difficulties unpacking, you know, unpacking your own. And this, this, this goes for, for, you know, women as well, uh, you know, with the, with the, how they deal with with us as men, you know, because it, it's 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 funny the contradiction that that goes on with it. And we had this conversation on the unproductive and unapologetic uh, podcast. It was our last episode, and uh, trying to think of the the name of of the episode is bad. Uh, Who's your five? That's the episode, and we spoke about how, you know, it's a contradiction with women, uh, you know, especially when you're in a relationship with a woman. They want you to, you know, to be in touch with your feminine side, you know, or to hear them as, as, a, as a woman and their emotions and stuff. But at the same time, then if you come to them with your emotions, then they'll say that, you know, you're soft or you're being weak and stuff. So, you know, it's... it's it is very difficult for us as men, especially black, you know, black men to even try to have any type of emotional uh, clarity or unpack any type of emotions or be in touch with our feminine side, which we should be. Because, as I said earlier, there's a balance to life. We have to be in touch with the masculine and the feminine side. And you know we w- women have to have to be careful with how you know they they deal deal with us when it comes to our emotions you know cuz it can't be just a one-sided thing of what only benefits benefits them because we hold us as black men we hold a lot of stuff in and it's and I see it every day I see I see my former self as well as some of the things that I'm going through now going going on through men that I'm around all the time and I can see how bad that is is eating them up just by the way that they they act you know how they act out or what if they're how they're dealing with a substance or how they're dealing with you know other men or how they're you know dealing with you know women you know so (laughs) It's, 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 it's rough. It's rough because 
even in, you know, when you think about society, and this is something that's just popping in my head, you think about the the angry black man that <laughs> that saying that's out there or whatever, and that's another part of the stigma with with men and their emotions and black men is in their emotions with, you know, uh the angry black man. And when I was in my early twenties, I was a lot of people called me angry man and a lot of people looked at me like I was very angry, which I was, but you know, nobody never asked me what's wrong or should do you want to get help, you know, or recommended any type of thing to me. It was just that I was angry man. <laughs> and, and I still have to deal with a lot of that residue today. Even, you know, when I try to display emotions or 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 speak my mind to someone or whatever, they'll still hold what they know of me in the past to me and say, oh, you, you tripping or you got to calm down, stuff like that. But I'm not the same person that I was back then. Totally, totally different. But, you know, you can't force somebody to see you a certain way. So that's another lesson that I've been going through now that I have to, you know, deal with. That You know, I just have to keep going with my growth and my healing and my evolution and not even, you know, trip off of what people still think of me or whatever, you know. And a lot of times what we do is, you know, we see it that way because we're basically looking in the mirror. We know how we how we deal with certain situations, how we deal with people or whatever. So it's easy to just uh, take someone and how they're, uh, they're acting or reacting to us and look at it as though, well, that's how I act or that's how I, I react. So then that's what must be going on with them. So if this... If I'm always angry, and this is how it was, if I'm if I was always angry, depressed or whatever, when somebody was coming to me that way, I'd be like, man, you need to chill out, or you know, I was ready to fight or stuff like that, because this is how I was processing what I was going through. So in my mind, I'm thinking this is how everybody else processing it. So yeah, I just I just I I love therapy. There's <laughs> That's that's the only thing on my mind right now. I love therapy, and therapy is a beautiful thing. <laughs> and let me uh see if I can find this clip. I had a, another clip that I wanted to share, and I thought it was a good one. And I almost forgot about it, but I had to peek at my outline real quick and let me see if I have it okay and this is interesting because this clip uh it's a woman speaking and it the clip is titled men are people too so I'm gonna play this real quick here we go you guys are at this huge disadvantage because it's like you've created an expectation that women have of men I I'm guilty of it I would look at my husband like He's got it all together. He's got it all figured out. And when my husband and I started getting really transparent and vulnerable with each other in our marriage, I'm like, what? <laughs> you mean you cry? You yeah. mean you, you're struggling with things sometimes? Or you, you know, and I'm like, it was an eye opener, guys. I was like, men are just human, just mm-hmm. like women. And there's no S on your chest. There's no, you know, you're just, you, you guys are Academy Award winning actors. Mm. Men are trained to, from the time they're young, to suck it up, never cry, right? I mean, hide your truest emotion. Yeah, so that was deep. I saw that clip. I was like, damn. That's perfect. And that that <laughs> that found that clip. Well, that clip found me uh just a couple of days ago and I was like, damn. That that speaks a lot and that's coming from a woman. And phew, I heard her say that I was like, well, I'm glad somebody, you know, you know, it's a woman out there that understands that. And this is not the say that no other woman thinks that but it's it's just refreshing to hear because i i can go back to plenty of times that i've i've been in this house and 
I've just been in an emotional state where I was just going, you know, I was going through it. And I, I struggled with whether I was going to share uh, this particular story uh, with you guys, but I'm going to just go ahead because I've shared so much stuff in my blog and with people, period, when they ask me questions about my depression and anxiety. You know, not I, I'm in control of, you know, myself and my truth, so I'm just to the point where nothing nobody can say or do to me when it comes to what I've gone through or who the, the person that I am that it can't hurt me, but it was, I called this moment the moment when I got sick and tired, and you know how they say, uh, you'll change something when you when you get tired of being sick and tired. And that was my moment. And I was in, in my house one night. And I believe it had to be a Saturday night. And this was right before I came to the to the conclusion that I need to go to therapy. I was in here just I was just so depressed. I was just so unsatisfied with excuse me, my life and just tired of repeating the same things over and over again when it came to, uh, excuse me, when it came to my feelings and, you know, uh, looking at things a certain way and stuff. I was in here and and did, and this is funny because I just said I don't remember the last time I cried, but I remember this time and I'm sh- I'm I'm pretty sure I probably cried after this situation, but I was in the house crying, and I was crying, and it was funny because I was speaking to my mentor probably a few hours before that, and I was telling him how, you know, I want to cry, but it won't come out, it won't come out, I feel like I need to cry, but it won't come out, so eventually that night, uh, it was it was late, probably like two, three o'clock in the morning, and I was in in my living room crying. Finally came out, I was crying. And when it came out, it came out. It was like a running faucet. It was just flowing. I was crying, uh, nose snotting up, all that stuff. I was just crying. So eventually, you know, I I was just like, all right, so let me just go in the shower. Let me get in the shower, and I'm going to cry in the shower. So it would just be like a a full full cleansing, a full cleansing of my emotions, of my my physical body, and of my spirit. I'm just going to let it go, just let it go. So I got in the shower, and then it just started rushing again. I was just bawling, crying, bawling, crying. And what was interesting to me, which was like real sim symbolic, uh, was I was in the shower and, you know, I was crying so much and I was in there for so long I just had to, you know, sit down in the tub. So I was sitting down in the tub, uh, and the water was, you know, uh coming to me or whatever and I was crying and all I and all I could think about was like I f- it was so symbolic and I was like, damn. This is deep as hell, and that's when that's that's when I knew that I was being spoken to, and I had to stop fighting what you know God was telling me what to do. So I was laying, I was sitting in the tub or whatever, and it was almost like I was in a fetal position. It was almost like I was in my mother's womb or whatever. I was in my mother's womb, and that was my 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 rebirth right there. And that's when I knew I had to go to therapy. And I remember thinking in that in that moment that I just wish I had my mother in that moment to hug me. And that and I was like, man, this is deep as hell. And it was just so damn symbolic. And I was like, this is my this is my rebirth moment right here. That was my moment of I was tired of being sick and tired. And from that moment right there, that's when I started the healing process. When I acknowledged that I had a problem, which was depression and anxiety, and I accepted it. 
I accepted the fact that I had this problem and I had to go get help. Boom. And I was just like, damn. And I think about that moment a lot and and I come back to it and that's that was the start. And that that was back in 2013. 2013 and yeah, I will never forget that moment. It was it was so symbolic in so many ways. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> it's just and and by me now just even talking about it now, I, I feel I feel refreshed. I feel refreshed because I I was definitely contemplating whether I was gonna speak on it or not because I was kind of concerned at how people would look at me. Because even though I get a lot of DMs about my blog or whatever, and, and you know how people say that I'm helping them, I'm helping them to 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 face their fears and to come out, you know, to their family and to you know to seek therapy and stuff like that. I still have other people that look at me funny. I still have other people who have separated themselves from me because of me speaking about my depression and anxiety. And I don't know if it's because they feel uncomfortable with my healing. I'm sure to some that may be it. And I'm sure to some they may look at me like I'm crazy, literally crazy or whatever. But I I totally feel like everybody it ain't even feel. I know. I know everybody deals with some form of mental illness. We all go through trauma. There's nobody out here walking a perfect path that has a perfect life. And I'm going to end this all by just saying to the guys out there, men feel too. Men feel too. We got to stop hiding our emotions because we are killing ourselves inside. We are dying inside. We have to fight that stigma of men can't have emotions. You're your strongest by releasing those emotions. You're weak when you're going out here trying to show somebody that you're hard or whatever or that you got it all together. People, when I first came out and started talking about my depression and stuff with my blog, the, some of the first things people were saying to me was, I never, I never knew. I never knew, man. You got it all together. Females, too. And women, too. Saying they thought I had it all together because I had a job, I had a house, car, a degree, or whatever. But, man, everybody out here going through something. And when they going to their, their, their secret spaces, whether it's their home or in their mind or wherever they go, they dealing with something. So we got to do better, uh, fellas and women. You know, we need y'all support. Uh, we, we can't, you know, keep doing this soft and weak stuff. You know, because we showing our emotions, you know, it's just we we got to break this cycle. And fellas, you know, I'm I'm trying to be an example and we all just need to walk it together one step at a time. Any movement is, is good movement. I mean. Yeah, I ain't saying you have to bust out and go to therapy tomorrow, but you know, just just do something. Try to, you know, if you you feel like crying, man, go ahead and cry, man. Is is nothing wrong with it. Uh, if you need to speak to somebody, go speak to somebody. You ain't gotta be a therapist. Just go speak to somebody. Speak to your your brother. Speak to your father, your mother, something. Just speak with somebody. You know, so. I love y'all, man. I appreciate y'all. And uh, I'll leave it off with this. So just go ahead and, you know, share the podcast. You know, keep supporting me. And just remember that, you know, I get credit for when you download the podcast. So, you know, you can go, whether it's on uh, Apple Podcast app or Google Play, go ahead. You can download the podcast, listen to it, and then delete it. You don't have to keep it, you know, on your on your phone. But, you know, I get 
I get credit for the downloads. And uh, the only reason I'm saying that is because I, I'm really, I really want to get this message out, out here, you know. So I appreciate y'all. And I'm going to leave it off with a, with a song like, uh, let me see. Let me see what I'm going to leave it off. Yeah, I'll leave it off with this. This this seems fitting. And plus it was in my outline and I forgot. <laughs> All right, so. One day at a time, you know. How <coughs> you talking, man? Live it one day at a time. It ain't nothing but a thing, though, bro. Yeah, I hear you, fool. Well, let me get up out of here. I'm going to ride out here waiting for me. All right, cat. Take it easy, baby. Stay up, fool. Peace. He greets his father with his hands Rehabilitated slightly Glad to be the man's child The world is different since he's seen it last Out of jail, been seven years And he's happy that he's free at last All he had was his mother's last Now he's mobile and he's gotta make a change And make it for the best But he's black, so he's got one strike against him And he's young, plus he came up in the system But he's smart and he's finally making 18 And his goals to get on top and try to stay clean so he's calling up his homie who came up, living lives. Now they dealing with the same stuff. And had that attitude that who he was was work late. And with that fucked up attitude, he killed his first mate. Now it's different, he did dirt. And realized killing me coming up, but it still hurt. And can't nobody change this. It's 1994, and we up against the same shit. I never understood why. I can never see a man cry till I seen a man die. Imagine life at its full peak, then imagine lying dead in the arms.